Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Cinema Presents, the filmography of Charlie Kaufman. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy James, joining me from the studio, the lab, to talk yeah. about Anomalisa. James, what is Anomalisa? Uh, I mean, it's it's beautiful in like the animation, uh, but it's well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you should tell me what you think it is, because I think I'm in the same place as Cine- you were for Synecdoche. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I Anomalisa is an exercise in solipsism. It is a movie featuring puppets about a puppet master who's only interested in puppeteering. There's a a naval, we'll get into what Anomalisa is and isn't. It sounds like we're more or less on the same page with this one. Uh, Before we get into Anomalisa, anything else you want to talk about? Have you seen anything else worth discussing? Uh... No, go, you go. I'll just double check. But um, I think, I think I'm I'm just flat out at work. So I think. Yeah, the, the I know you're short. you're struggling to keep your head above water. So I will carry the entertainment weight. Not everybody can be as free to be as levity and nimbly pimbly as I myself get to be these days. So <laughs> that's right. Nimbly pimbly. <laughs> Speaking of, I watched um one real dumb movie and then one well no i watched two real dumb movies and they both speak to greater passions of mine so i watched operation dumbo drop (laughs) all right nice have you seen this when was the last time you saw this movie i think i was a child like yeah they had to drop an elephant back into africa or something it's actually vietnam oh vietnam (laughs) (laughs) this is like (laughs) <laughs> it's a kids movie question mark but it's very much about vietnam and like oh, yeah. it's got certainly as any vietnam movie does at this point right there's joseph conrad elements at play where they're trying to get up the river and or you know Fitzcarraldo, if you want to insert that metaphor like oh, yeah. they're trying to push an elephant through the jungle in this just insane task and it's Ray Liotta and Danny DeVito, who have some incredible, or, sorry, uh, Danny Glover. Danny DeVito is another one of my favorite weird army movies, Renaissance Man. Oh, I don't know it. He goes to like teach English at, uh, doesn't matter, this is not a Renaissance Man podcast. No, Jump no, over to Made in the 90s if you want to hear our discourse on Renaissance Man. Wow. Okay, but we'll do it. This thing is, it's a movie for nobody because at times it's an intense Vietnam movie. Like, gun battles, explosions, PTSD, <laughs> buddy dying because Charlie's in the trees. And yeah. then at other moments, it's like, oh, we have to get the giant pink pill up the elephant's butt. Oh, uh, yeah, I see. It's a it's a strange one, man. They had a tone issue, or a or a or a writing by committee problem, or something like somebody somebody wanted to make their you know apocalypse now, and somebody else wanted to make uh, 
you know, the just a child's movie to sell as many tickets as possible. I think that's kind of where it is because it it feels like it has to have been based on a true story, right? There's no way that this movie gets made if it wasn't something that actually happened. Yeah, <laughs> based on a true story by United States Army Major Jim Morris. And it is really sort of fascinating in that machination, but then because there's an elephant floating in a parachute, it has to be a kid's movie, which it's yeah. not at all. It's so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have not, no, I, I, I cannot remember it at all, but I think I saw it as a kid, but I don't, yeah, no, you're right. I don't remember it at all. Uh, so weird. Yeah, it was very strange. I think strange. I remember it being funny, but yeah, maybe I just was like, I don't understand all this gunfighting Vietnam problem, and I just wait for the pill moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it is, because there are very, very funny moments, and then there's, I don't know, <laughs> some some kind of heavy stuff in there as well, which, you know, is fine. I like a little, little heavy oh, and light kind of mixed together, but I don't know. This movie... <laughs> was very entertaining for early this afternoon, but I don't know that I could recommend it. Other than that, I saw also uh, today, The Lone Ranger. Uh, is that recent? Is that the one um, like uh, with Johnny Depp and things? Is that, that is the one, yeah. Where Johnny Depp plays the same character he's been playing for 20 years now. <laughs> Yeah, but with like a really strange, uh, well, not strange, but terrible um, racist accent yep. that he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I bring it up is it falls into the category of, I don't know, it, it's one of my favorite types of movies, which is like the grand studio fantasy action epic that doesn't work at all so i'm thinking like <laughs> league of extraordinary gentlemen okay yeah sahara you know just like bad oh, yeah. weird movies um well, well, i like both of those by the way i like them like, too dude i love them both of, both of those are amazing like i remember specifically sahara has like this massive attack um there's a soundtrack with like this massive attack baseline and it builds up into crescendo for the scene. I was like, that's such a beautiful scene. Like there's moments in that movie that are just amazing. And it, but I don't know what they were doing with the film, but that's kind of why I'm on board. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Some, I don't, I'm not going to land the seminal critic who said this. So I'll throw a few names around, but it's, it's totally like, Godard or whatever but the saying is that a excellent piece of cinema is three good scenes and some decent music yeah and these adventure movies have like as dumb as they ever get there will be at least two or three moments of like swashbuckling daring yep swelling strings pure cinema that i'm just like yeah good more of that please 
Yeah, that, so that's exactly what Sahara was for me, where I can't really remember all of it. There's something about a plane and then the, you know, but there's a few moments, a few moments where I'm like, wow, that was a beautiful scene. The like, the music, the atmosphere, the, the like, it's coming up from dusk. So it's pitch black coming into daylight. The, the music is building. They're trying to sneak up on someone and then things fall apart and everything starts exploding in this fire and the sun. And I was like, what amazing scene that was. Oh. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, cool. This is a good film. <laughs> yeah. And the Lone Ranger does that like 10 times and it's directed by Gore Verbinski. So it's a real movie. So it also does another one of my favorite things, which is movies that are aware they are movies and really try and just like enjoy cinema. So at, at one point there's like a character, one of the character traits, and he's a bad guy who washes out early on, but He's literally eating, I think it's roasted peanuts, but it's from like a red and white striped bag and he's eating a crunchy snack. And the, the very first scene of the movie is just like cacophonous, you know, action interest. And then it smashes down to a small child walking through a museum, eating a bag of snacks. And you're like just hearing the chewing sound so this movie itself is evocative of that moment in the theater where after the hook happens, some jerk is eating popcorn because he's never been to a movie before. And we need to watch the language come out of this person's mouth so we know the stakes of the rest of the emotional arc of the film. And instead there's just this little kid just like crunching on stuff until he meets weirdo Johnny Depp. And I'm not going to defend it too much. I don't think it's great or good even, but it's a, it's the kind of movie that I like a lot. And I was happy enough to be watching it today. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I mean, that's, that's movies for me. Like quite often, just something that makes me happy to watch is, is perfectly valid use of movie time, you know? Like, yeah, totally. In a similar vein, one of my favorite points of criticism and again I'll, I'll fail to accredit this but somebody said the only thing a movie can do to be bad is to be boring as long as you're entertained there's not a bad movie it, it can be anything if you're engaged with it it's a good movie mm. yeah is that a segue well, let's talk about it anomalisa were you engaged is this a good movie i tell you what, actually, the start of the film, I was enthralled. So visual cue, like, you know, opening airplane scene, the cacophony of the same voice constantly talking, and then the child sounding like the mother. And then, you know, like, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And then everyone looks the same, and he's doing, like, mundane things, but it's all beautiful. Uh, I'm on board with the main character, because at the moment, at the start, everyone's kind of inane and being a bit annoying and he's kind of like the the like me you know i'm 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 living it through him and i'm going oh god i hate it when you know the the bellhop constantly explains things in the room like here's how the dial works to the left i'm like i've been in a room before i, I know what a television is you know thank yeah. you very much and um but you're like, trying to be patient and polite and then yeah, it's like, it, it breaks a little bit where you're like no I, thank you enough that was it. He was ordering food, I think. Um, yeah, he's, he's doing a room service call and he's like, oh, can I please have the something salad and the salmon? And then the guy's like, 
okay, uh, you know, would you like dessert? And he's like, no, no, I'm all right. It's like, how about a drink? No, 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 I'm all right. Okay, okay, so you've ordered the, and then he goes on to the longest description of the salad possible with like walnut and, you know, raspberry juice. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and here's the salmon with the truffle, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> you can just, you can feel his, he's like, I'm so over this, but I'm being polite. And he's like, yes, yes, that's fine. Thank you very much. And then they're like, okay, goodbye. And it's like, boom, hang up is like halfway through the goodbye. Like just <laughs> thank yeah. you, done. Sure. Um, that, I've, I'm on board with all of that. Like this is like slice of life. I say that a lot, but it's just, it, it, I'm, I'm on board with that film, but he's just not a likable character after like 10 minutes in for me. Like, and then it, it, it's, yeah the the yeah for me i really got off like uh, like not on board with this film by about halfway through and then it starts pulling me back in with the dream sequence that i didn't know was a dream sequence i was like this is going to be amazing and then it isn't and then he's just a miserable horrible person being horrible to people and i like anomalisa is the only redemption in the end of the film like that kind of made me happy was that she kind of went off and she got something positive out of the relationship, positive out of the thing and went on and was looked like she was going to do well with her life. Sure. But he's going to be and, a miserable bastard forever. Right. And then that in turn to me starts to feel like its own cop out where he's like, Oh, at least this projection that I have created for humanity to satisfy my own solipsism solipsism has been bettered by my presence and it's like no fuck you dude you're old and boring and nobody cares actually you're right Uh, so so i took the solipsism like everyone looking the same all the voices the same as a kind of metaphor rather than actual solipsism like i didn't take it as he's the only person and the dream definitely uh, like so the dream sequence with the bell like you know the the security person talking to that certainly said that but um the yeah the the dream you know like yeah it, it doesn't um it, i didn't say that was specific to me like i i yeah right so when i was watching it i didn't take it as any kind of literal supernatural i i took it as his boredom of the world and his feeling like he's special just manifested on everyone so all their voices are boring and the um the the one interesting person is her with the interesting voice with somebody else with you know jennifer jason lee's voice right and then but then he gets bored of her pretty quick you know tired and frustrated and then he's shouting at her a, a narcissist is one to do the person that he's interested in is not a personality. It's not a counterpoint. It's a canvas. It's a, a supplicating type of personality. So that, that's the part where I, I really checked out. I was never on board for this movie. I was a little curious in the opening shots in the plane where... Yeah. The dude sitting next to him, when his face separates a little bit, I was like, oh, wait, what is this? And then I was never interested again. And the confirmation that it, it, 
is a self-serving sort of past the border of creepy expression of solipsism, solipsism and um, like, like vanity. I don't know. I, I, I just couldn't hardly get on board. And I, I think part of it is the nature of the writing as a conceptual thing is just not something that I'm interested in. Part of it is that if you're going to do these things, you have some obligation. No, no artist has any obligation. I desire as an audience to see something a little more interesting and a little more connected. So when that dream sequence comes, when it finally starts to go fucking crazy and we realize that our lead is having a break, is in a different space, you know, on the cusp of some new reality, that needs to come way earlier in this movie. It's 25 minutes in when that happens. And I'm just bored out of my skull at that point. 25 minutes in? It felt like two hours in. Like I... <laughs> I think I stopped the film and then picked it up the next day because I was so like, because because where I thought so yeah I I'm with you kind of like the airplane set me up to be kind of like okay maybe I can enjoy this and then it kind of plodded along so it didn't pique my interest it just kind of kept me in um till he got to the hotel room but then it really just was like the self serving like he's just being shit to everyone and he's bad and gross i i don't enjoy our main character even for a little bit and i don't need to enjoy the hero you know i can enjoy an anti-hero i can enjoy a movie full of you know i liked kids and beach bum but uh, that's not the point of this thing it there's nothing that nothing happens there it's It's, such a boring movie and to wrap it in this incredible intricacy of stop motion puppeteering it it seems like an extension of synecdoche but so poorly served here i end up with the question of like why isn't this a play right I think if you, this, so this brings up a a fundamental question that I have about cinema. If you can tell a story about human beings in a human setting that are mostly just talking to each other, it should be a play. I'm going to a movie because I want something larger than life. I want something grander than my normal day-to-day experience. Forgive me. Or a different point of view. Like, so you can have the people talking but with cinema, you can be above it or you can be looking at it through things or through the eyes of people. You know, like you get different... this is where Eternal Sunshine succeeds by giving it this grand concept of we're going to literally take specific memories out of your brain. It forgives this internal perspective, this very individualized navel-gazing bullshit because it brings us to a really wild sci-fi premise that is engaging and entrancing. And it, not only is this premise not entrancing, the, the, the 
spectacle of cinema is wasted on it. I just feel like, you, you know what's a better puppet movie than this? Team America, World Police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. But I, I, so basically at the end of this film, or even like maybe halfway through where I'm bored, I kind of got the feeling like the film was his first idea with it. Like, so basically they went, hey, we've made a lot of money off you. Everyone's going to your films. What's your next film? And he was like, okay, it's like normal people, normal life. He's on a trip to, to like Philadelphia or sorry, Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati. And, but it's all puppets, you know? And I think he's just like, that's basically his pitch was, what if I did an elaborate visual cue, but a boring story? Like, which in itself is actually fine if the characters are likable or there's something to attach to or something happens. Uh, but I found it like, I think nothing got written properly. Like I, I feel like it was really like, just go with it. They they wrote the first script. Someone said yes because there were too many yes men around, and the because it's like a first iteration of a thing where you go, okay, I like what's working here. This this feels boring. Let's you know like let's chop this out and edit this. All of that should have happened before. Like <laughs> like uh, this film should have been the the, the work print <laughs> for i i think i understand your criticism and i'll take it maybe a step further which is a, a real common note that i i gave in the development days which is this should be a short there's no yeah. even at 90 minutes this is three times longer than it needs to be it's crazy yeah. that you can't make this point in 10 minutes you know i think it was better in 10 minutes i think nothing nothing came about through the rest of the film that i didn't kind of in, so the enjoyment that i had of those first moments which wasn't a lot of enjoyment but a bit <laughs> i didn't um i didn't get much more apart from that dream sequence that's it like that's what that's the bits i enjoyed and then maybe the bit at the end where anomalisa had something but I, but I mean, I'm just grasping at that point. I mean, I'd <laughs> hardly, hardly call that development or something. Like, I just think I was happy to see something happen that wasn't douchebag being douchey. Right, and you, you do get a lot from, Jennifer Jason Lee brings a ton to the performance. Yeah. And Tom Noonan as everybody else, also brings a lot. So I think you, you get to a point where there are performers performing against each other and that sort of human nature is crackling and engaging and, and worth exploring. But again, I think it's worth exploring on stage. I don't understand why we need to watch this on screen. Yeah. Because human moments like the... I'm, I'm in a real conflict because one of the gifts of cinema is being able to express minutia. You know what I mean? Like really yeah. small character turns or realizations that a character doesn't want to realize. So they hold it out with their eyes, just barely squinting. Right. But if the only thing, the only action, the only event of the story is people talking to each other. Yeah. 
it doesn't need to be a movie. It, if it's a movie, there should be dancing, there should be explosions, there should be even just like close-ups of crying, you know, just yeah. big emotions because it's 70 feet of the silver screen. And this feels like a thing that, um, oh shit, not John Milk, what's the, um, John Cusack, whatever his name is, if I were watching this in John Cusack's puppet box in Being John Malkovich, I would think yeah. it was like the best thing ever. Yeah. But as it stands, I'm sort of like, well, yeah, we all took freshman fucking intro to Psych, dude. Go tell me a story, you know? No, I mean, yeah, I think we're totally on board on this, like totally in sync with this one. I just... I, I mean, yeah, I, I seriously think it took me a couple times to finish it. And that is very rare for me because I can watch some pretty terrible films. <laughs> pretty, yeah. like, but I just wasn't... I mean, also, we might be being tough to ourselves to do all of these films in a row because I think if you've watched a whole lot of other cinema, perhaps you wouldn't be as hurt but no mate i think on its own it's fucking annoying as well but um, i think there's a, a clear demarcation and maybe we benefit from watching them in a row because uh synecdoche which you enjoyed more than i did and anomalisa marked the point where he is directing his movies now and up until uh, then yeah. he had been directed by visually uh inventive you know directors michelle gondry and spike jones are deserve the accolades that they have and george clooney i really like confessions of a dangerous mind you know and the, yeah, no, the I mean, way that, that thing is expressed is pretty gorgeous so yeah. having this work filtered through visual storytellers or artists that are a little more into the fantastic nature of existence, you know, just the the miracle of happenstance yeah. really elevates the solipsism of Kaufman because there, that is a, a legitimate and a valid and an important perspective. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters are the decisions that you make because of what you believe and at the end of the day, the decisions that you make because of what you believe will impact other people. So you need to be cautious about the way that you treat those things. And his career is really profoundly expressed through that dichotomy, where, again, his individualism is maximized by the craft of cinema and its collaborative nature and somebody truly visual like ripping these personal hidden ideas out and just like flinging them against a wall. It makes something beautiful and expressive when he's just kind of on his own. I don't know that I am into it. Okay. I mean, yeah. So that is true. Like we, we've kind of fallen off his wagon as soon as he's directing. And I think yeah. you're right. I think it's the, it's the pull and tug. Like he's saying, hey, what if we do everything this way? And then a director goes, 
okay, but let's keep it interesting by doing this, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> whereas he's just now, maybe he's just going, Hey, let's just do the thing that I was going to do. And it's, it's kind of boring. Like it, it cause it needs, it needs grounding in cinema. It, like it needs, it needs like, it needs film language or something to kind of keep you in and on board. Cause, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because they are very inchoate and kind of abstract ideas. So I don't know that it needs grounding in cinema. It needs like rocket ships in cinema. It needs to be exploded through cinema. When yeah. it's grounded, it belongs on stage and, you know, good and fine. Oh, I just, like, it needs the language of cinema. Absolutely. To get the, like, it needs, that's why, I mean. like, it, it needs the, the tools and language that cinema brings, that directors know how to harness, uh, to, to bring his madness into frame so you can kind of understand and you can kind of be on board and you can follow along. Because once he kind of just does it all, you're like, Oh, I'm not on board. Like, it, it, there's no pacing. There's no, uh, there's no crescendo. There's no. It's just, it's just things happening, and and it's a bit, yeah, like yeah. meandering. Um, you know, I just watched uh, Speed Racer. <laughs> right. Have you have you seen this one? No, I I I only think I only just discovered it existed. Like maybe, like a few months ago i didn't know they made a speed racer you're talking about the japanese cartoon from the 80s and 90s right like the yeah and like with the monkey and the chimp like the chimp in the boot of the car and the little chim so, chim yeah chim chim yeah so i i haven't seen this but i suddenly am really wanting to because someone brought it up and i'm like oh dear lord that sounds amazing is it okay or is it rubbish um yes so like it it's so expressive in its cinematic language that unless you're prepared to view it on those terms it's almost nonsense like i don't know if there's one cut in that movie like uh, everything is like sort of like confessions of a dangerous mind but in every single scene and every moment of that movie. So like we're in confessions, um, Sam Rock, Rockwell walks through the office and then takes a seat at the desk and then the walls move behind him. That's being done in Speed Racer, but in like 4K visual green screen noise. So like though extreme close up on John Goodman's mustache that reveals this like pan and scan background that turns into a racetrack. And, and so it's, it's two hours of just this like fluid amorphous storytelling that it doesn't feel like a movie, but it feels like a ride, like a kinetic yeah. experience, you know? Your description made it feel like, I was, like a Universal Studios ride. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm in the chair and the thing, the visuals are just hitting me. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So I, I bring that up to sort of, the, sort of like the dichotomy <laughs> between these things where if you want 
pure cinema, just an experience that I don't quite know what's happening to me, but it's winning. I'm on board with this thing. That's the extreme of it. And if you want something that's just very introspective about the nature of changing who you are as a, I don't even know how to unpack all that stuff. Just life, you know, the life that we live day to day and how you become a different person one day to the next and how you are the same person at 60 that you are when you were 10, you know, put that on stage. And that's kind of where this movie lives. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't just in a bad mood because <laughs> I was watching it thinking maybe I'm just, you know, like in a bad mood, but it, it, we that's, can't both be. Yeah. No, dude, I had the exact same response. I was like, do I hate this or am I just like, hung over am i in a <laughs> yeah, terrible I just, mood i just need to eat <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, uh, I love uh you know stop motion animation i i the 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 eyes and the mouth being separated by the line makes sense to me because the mouth has to move and the eyes the eyes you know they move separately and you have to print the face twice as many times if you're going to move the eyes and keep the mouth still Okay. Um, so cost cutting, it makes sense to cut them in half. So I'm looking at that going, oh, okay. So they've tied into the story an, an actual way to do animation. You know, like I enjoyed visually stuff about this. Um, say but more it about was, that. Right. So, uh, you know, when, when you're printing these faces, these faces are 24 faces a second. Um, animating out the the motions of speech and art and gaze uh and you know when your eyes look down your forehead moves slightly and your eyebrows move and your but but one of the things is if someone's looking around the room but not really engaging their mouth much you're printing whole faces for for the for the for the scanning of the room it, it like it quadruples the number of shapes you need to print for the face sure. so um so two clever things they did was have every face that isn't his face be one face right <laughs> like the um, a male face on everyone including children and babies they just scaled it down but it's exactly the same so they can print they can model one shape and print it a thousand times and just chuck it on everyone um so all of that i'm like oh if they tie this into the story and they have like everyone being the same oh this could be interesting but it it didn't it didn't do it enough like i i didn't even think tom noonan's voice was like they didn't make enough of a fact that every voice was the same like i <laughs> To be to be like a an asshole here, I would be, I would make him monotone. I would make his voice drier. I think so, so too. There's, there's too much emotion, so you don't, you're not getting the idea that the world is boring and grey and everyone has. I would have made it a single monotone voice for everyone, which once again works better in a short because of fucking ninety minute movie. <laughs> Oh, but but then I'd have it all fall apart. Like when the face fell off in the hallway in the dream, I was like, 
oh, this is great. This is like, you know, like it's all falling apart and you're seeing behind the, but then it wasn't. And it kind of, it was like, and that was just a dream. And I wake up and then I move on. And I, yeah, it was like the kind of stories I wrote when I was 13 in English lit. <laughs> yeah. And it, at least with Synecdoche, I feel like it's expressing something that communicates to the larger human experience. And here, I, I mean, maybe it's isolation. That's, that's certainly a part of our existence. Yeah, but he's purposefully isolated. Yeah, like, uh, he's, got, he's got family at home. <laughs> uh, I don't. It was a, it was a rubbish. Uh, it just didn't make, put me in a good mood. There was nothing happy or interesting. And I kind of just got into like a, I was annoyed at the character and annoyed at things. And then it also wasn't, you know, expressive enough to keep me on board when I'm annoyed. So <laughs> it lost me. That's the real, the real kind of the bottom line is like, we can make a movie about terrible things that make me feel bad as long as I'm compelled, as long as I'm engaged. And I was almost never engaged in this thing. And when I did find engagement, I found engagement in ways that like, I don't know. Well, one way that I think the movie is specifically trying to ask, and then a bunch of ways that I, I don't think it is. So in the way that the movie is trying to ask it, the the issue that we keep bringing up about solipsism, and it is interesting about, I think writers and performers kind of have the opposite end of this thing. I had um, a, a really good writer that I worked with one time who was also a very talented actor. She said to me that the reason that we share this craft is that actors take something external and try and internalize it and make it their own so that they can express it. And writers take something internal and try and externalize it so that they can make something their own and give it to everybody else or allow everybody else to share in this experience. So they're really specifically flip sides of the same coin. And in that, in so much as that's the issue being raised here, I'm kind of on board with this thing because as a writer, I, you know, it's a constant struggle of like, well, this person wouldn't say that, or the story needs this thing to say that. So when you start looking at the world as puppetry, as um, strings to be pulled to express this thing, there's something fascinating there. I just think that what he has to express is this self that's interested in the self that's interested in expressing the self and you know there's a whole world out there man 